Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Association Leadership Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Association Leadership Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Tina Morris, and she is with American Association of Pharmaceutical Scientists. Welcome, Tina. Thank you, Lee. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm excited uh, to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about AAPS. How are you serving folks? So AAPS um, is a great association that um, was founded in 1989. Um, we are um, an individual member-based association of over 7,000 members uh, that span the entire uh, pharmaceutical sciences field, industry, academia, regulatory, um, and from students to executives. So um, it has its own unique challenges, I would guess, kind of when you're trying to be the bridge between academia and industry. How do you kind of, um, you know, make everybody happy? <laughs> well, that. That's the miracle everybody's trying to achieve, right? I always call it um, our um, our secret superpower that we are so broad, but uh, it's, it's a huge opportunity to really connect people across the career spectrum. Uh, it is a um, an, an area where we can really foster innovation because often, as as you know. Um, people work in silos and um, really don't get to connect uh, their science, their business with the folks they need to meet. But of course, it comes with its unique challenges because uh, academicians and industry folks have their unique viewpoints. And um, that uh, that sometimes creates very interesting discussions and challenges, especially when it comes to association governance sometimes. So now, any advice for other leaders of associations that are trying to um, kind of navigate a similar bridge between academia and industry? Are there some things that you've learned that you're like, oh, I'll do more of this and I'll do less of this? I think what we found uh, with my team is the most important thing is really, um, as as in 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 many situations, good uh, volunteer training, expectation setting, clarity around really what, um, what the mission and the plan for the association is. We, we were very fortunate that we had, a, we had an excellent um, strategic planning exercise recently. And if you end up with a good plan that um, everybody can get behind, it's really, really helpful. And um, communication, 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 I think very important. Um, it's also important to have good balance in your leadership and good balance in your pipeline. Balance and diversity in, in your pipeline leadership is really important, but of course, sometimes also hard to achieve. Now, you mentioned that part of your constituents are students. Um, how do you kind of include them in the pipeline and in the path to enge create engagement for them at the beginning of their career so that they do see a path to stay connected and to engage um, with the association as they progress in their uh, career? 
A lot of it, of course, depends on, you know, in the academic uh, with our academic members um, who are more senior to be very supportive of their students presenting at our conferences Um, for students. Many times an AAPS conference is their first ever poster presentation, uh, submitting abstracts. Uh, We do also have a a student support committee um, that really um, and, you know, uh, fosters uh, the, the student support and the student um, interaction and fellowship. We have student chapters at, um, at many university hubs across the country. I think what is sometimes more challenging is um, not losing uh, these members once they enter their careers, whatever those are, because Obviously, you know, if you finish graduate school and all of a sudden you have your first job, be it in academia or in industry, you have other worries than being an association member. And so making sure that they stick with us and see the value, um, that's that's really important. We do offer a lot of uh, career development and mentoring advice at AAPS. Um, At our big conferences, we have mentoring breakfasts. Uh, We offer entry-level volunteer opportunities for students to make sure that they do get connected to more senior leaders and really have the opportunity to build their own network uh, within the association. And I think those mentoring opportunities are so important for young people to take advantage of because as they progress in their career, at some point they're going to be the mentor. So for them Mm -hmm. to learn what a good mentor, how a good mentor behaves and how a bad one behaves and to kind of be able to say which one they want to be, I think is super helpful as no matter, you know, what, like you said, no matter what direction their career goes in. Exactly. That's completely right. And I'm very fortunate. I have to say that um, our, our, especially our board of directors, uh, but also our, some of our more other committees are very um, interested and committed to uh, student mentoring. Um, We never have trouble finding uh, enough volunteers for that. More recently, a lot of conversations have circled around um, what we, what we call non-traditional career paths really where um, people may start in academia, then they'll jump into industry Um, In the pharma side, sometimes jumping from the innovator uh, into the supplier side and what all those challenges are that now that um, career paths are not as straightforward as they used to be in our field. And I think there's a lot of interest in young and even mid-career professionals to network and find mentors to help them navigate a very rapidly evolving career um, challenge. So do you feel that the industry and academia are kind of up for that challenge when there is this maybe um, it's a different type of workforce in today's world as than there was pre-pandemic time? Oh, it sure is. Uh, I think the uh, the pandemic has created an entirely new set of challenges, right, in, in terms of um, it has made the uh, employment market much, much more dynamic. It's, of course, created a situation where um, lots of folks have uh, worked remotely and virtually for an extended period of time. 
their typical networking venues and um, ways to connect with their peers and um, are, are not there or they're only just now coming back. Um, so yeah, it has, it has really changed the industry and it's, it's changed um, how the associations I think have to um, support their members. We, we have really, um, made a big emphasis at AAPS during the pandemic to have meaningful year-round virtual and digital offerings for our members because um, that was a very challenging time. And just because you can't have your big conferences or your workshops um, doesn't mean, you know, you can't just drop off the air. So we were actually, since we're on radio, one of our, one of our internal mantras was APS has to stay on the air during the pandemic. And I think our members really appreciated that. Right. And that's what I'm, um, I had a conversation this morning with an executive director of an association and it was the same. These are, as we come out of the pandemic, you have now the ramifications of so many remote workers now coming back and mm-hmm. now they're coming back, not totally all the way. That's a hybrid. So, you know, you have a whole new bucket of challenges <laughs> to navigate, uh, you know, as the, the workplace has shifted so much and the value that the association brings to the table has shifted before, you know, you probably weren't doing as much online virtual, you know, as much mm-hmm. as you were through the pandemic. And now that the pandemic is waning, now do you keep up that pace and the in-person? Like now you got to find the balance there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for us, it's really been uh, it, it's been a fantastic um, laboratory, and we have uh, really developed a lot of uh, and in, in de- developed an increasing amount of value from that. Not just for the interaction uh, with our members, uh, and in science, it's actually extremely important to enable like a year round dialogue and to be able to advance those scientific topics through different kinds of venues and digital has been just fantastic for that. But we've also really um, it's, it's really accelerated um, the way we interact with our partners, because obviously, you know, we have not had a, a large conference during the pandemic. Our corporate partners couldn't exhibit and um, we have, it's really accelerated our transition to more a thought leadership, uh, consultative based approach where we've done webinars with our corporate partners, um, eChalk Talks uh, and other content. And it's enabled them to communicate with our members in a different way as well. Now, um, having uh, gone through this and are coming out of this, how did you kind of keep everybody focused on the same true north that was the mission of the association to begin with? Um, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, I think we, we had an advantage because I think it helped that we were committed to our strategic planning exercise. So like right before the pandemic, uh, our we had a leadership retreat in New Orleans and literally two weeks later, the pandemic hit and um, the board of directors and uh, the entire association leadership stayed committed to really doing a strategic planning exercise. And it was incredibly hard. We did everything virtually we had a wonderful facilitator, Richard Chang. Um, but when you have those discussions, 
during a changing environment, it really helps you focus. It really helps you focus on what are we all about? Um, what do we need to do? And our mission is to uh, bring scientists together across the development spectrum to really accelerate the development of medicines uh, from, from laboratory to patient. And that, that was really incredibly strengthening and it helped us a lot. Um, it helped us focus through all the logistical and other challenges, but it, it is not easy. Now, once you kind of land on that and you get buy-in, um, what was the next step? Like, how did you kind of um, then have that messaging trickle down to everybody in the organization association? Um, we we have a, um, a community platform um, at AAPS. Uh, we, we actually have 42 online communities. Um, our community leadership gets together regularly. Um, and we've even, you know, through the pandemic, we've had the, we've continued to have our leadership retreat. We did it virtually, but it really is, it takes some time uh, to, for these messages to really sort of take root at every level of the organization. Uh, one of the best outcomes, I think, of our planning exercise was that we strengthened our governance a bit. We created several new committees that helped the board be more effective in our governance. We created a scientific advisory committee, a DEI committee, and also a, a really um, a strategy committee, which is called Horizon Planning Committee. So we're trying to very much build continuity of thought and deliberateness into our governance. So also that there is not sort of this, every time you have a board or a president's rotation, you have these tectonic shifts in how the the strategy or the path forward is interpreted. So now you mentioned DEI. Can you talk about how that's, um, you know, going from a whiteboard to kind of uh, practice that's happening in real life nowadays? Yeah, we, we have um, one is to understand where, where our, our members head is. And so we've, we've done, um, a survey exercise um, in 2020, and uh, we we refreshed that data very recently. Uh, the the DEI committee also has they have liaisons in uh, in our different uh, committees where selections and nominations are made. And you know we talked earlier about assuring that we have a diverse. Uh, pipeline. So, for example, our nominations committee that deliberates our future board candidates, our awards committee that uh, looks at our award nominations, and our fellows committee that uh, deliberates the candidacies for our highest um, honor or designation as a society. Those committees all have liaisons from our DEI group, and they kind of they're, they're there um, following the discussions and um, sort of bringing back how that interaction is going. And I um, have to say that this has been really great because we see an increasing awareness in those groups to, to really look at those slates and say, you know, are we balanced? How can we have a better balance? I think what is um, 
what is more challenging for the long term, and it's going to really require a dedicated effort, is really building that pipeline and making sure that um, across our spectrum of um, of science, we really have um, we have members represented from diverse backgrounds. Uh, we pay much much closer attention when we recruit volunteers that we blind the applications. Um, we have a blinded application process and questionnaires so that when uh, folks are being picked, there's you know people can't call up just their buddies or their favorite people. Um, that assures that new voices are in the mix. Um, but it's a process. It's a journey. Yeah, that's always tricky because you want to be inclusive, but you also have to fill the slot. <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, sometimes speed overrides uh, being inclusive and it's just making it a priority and just saying, no, this is not an area, you know, we have to, that, and I love the idea of making it a blind, uh, making it blind. That way it is, you know, kind of the fairest possible way, but also you're not kind of just taking sometimes easy way out is go to with the usual suspects that are the people that are exactly, closest to you. Exactly. And it, that was not uncontroversial. Of course, as you can imagine in a scientific society, um, we, we, we have a lot of folks who have a, a deep professional network and everybody knows sort of their, their set of experts in the area um, but it's you can only keep um, an organization like this fresh if you really, um, you know, if you have mechanisms to to bring new uh, new voices into the mix. Yeah, and I think that that's really uh, wise of you to to be aware of that because a lot of people they don't that you have to be kind of mindful of this and and put systems in place to address it otherwise. The easiest thing is going me going to the person I know I can count on that I always go to. And then if, if everybody's always doing that, you are getting the same kind of faces around the table where if you do it with intentionality, like you're talking about, you bring in fresh faces that keeps the association thriving. And um, you're adding people that no, aren't necessarily always the regular. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that, that's one of the, the things we have um, we have implemented a couple of years ago. And I would say in general, I think it's important to make sure um, that the governance mechanisms and, and policies are regularly reviewed. I, I joined APS on staff two years ago. Uh, I've been a member for a long time, but um, one of the asks from the board at the time was that... Um, all our contracts and services be reviewed that we currently have on the operational side, which is completely reasonable. But at the same time, you have to treat your volunteer mechanisms the same way, I feel like, because our the environment is evolving, the goals uh, of the association have to evolve with it. And you have to make sure that the governance mechanisms really support you in carrying that out because otherwise it's it's a battle every single time you make a change so when you took over as leader was there a moment where you were like okay i have a good handle on this i'm starting to get traction i feel like that i'm going to make that impact that i envision making <laughs> it's it's that's an interesting question because my uh my first week on the job was already in the pandemic so it's it, it there has been 
not a single quote unquote normal day on my job. Um, I think my my senior staff team had had a very organized plan for me uh, for the first week in the office. And that all went out the window once COVID hit and we, we had to pivot very, very quickly um, to to deal with the evolving situation. So um, I think we've made a lot of progress. Um, it's, I think in general, I never feel like I can just settle in and, and you know, uh, things, are, things are on autopilot. I, I don't know if anybody can do that these days in the association space, but um, it's, it's been a wonderful, uh, it's been a wonderful journey and there's never a dull moment at APS, that's for sure. Now, any advice, we talked a little about young people, but I, it's so important for me to to get young people to pay attention to this because I think associations are critical mm-hmm. part of a successful career, um, no matter what industry you're in, really, because the association, to me, is the center of influence that are kind of role modeling behaviors. They should be ahead of the curve. They should be the ones that are, you know, giving the best example of, of how to be and what you could be. And it's a place to collaborate and to uh, educate yourself. So I'm always for young people getting involved in their association and leaning into it. So any advice for that young person who, like you said, they get, I they get it the importance when they're young, you know, in college, because, hey, this is where all the people are and the jobs are. But once they get the job, they're like, well, I'm busy. I got, you know, a life here. I don't have time to go to these meetings. But what advice would you give that person to stay involved in their association and to kind of lean into the leadership opportunities there? Because I think that it's critical for a successful career. And really, then it gives you a mechanism to give back and to really pay it forward in your career. Right. I would say, you never know what you don't know. And I think going going out there, you know, engaging in your association, networking with your peers, sometimes across disciplines or areas is so important because it opens your eyes to what you maybe should be doing or should be learning. And um, I would just say a career has many turns and you never know if that connection or that skill that you learn because you involved yourself in something that you, you, you were able to do at your association sometimes may pay you back 10, 15 years down the road because you met people or you, you learned a skill that you never thought you'd need and it's there um, and you have it because you got involved in something that may not have been directly related to what you're doing right now. And um, that's what I, that's what I tell our members and especially scientists in some areas of pharma development get very, very deep and very narrow. And I always tell them, go, go into a track where you know nothing. Um, if you're an analytical scientist, go, go listen to a clinical study go 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 to regulatory do something completely different and you may discover that mm, maybe i should change something maybe i should get involved with that maybe i should learn that maybe i should meet people in that space right um and it's it's a really it's a huge growth opportunity both in terms of leadership but also other aspects of your professional uh life so i i, I always encourage that so what do you need more of? How can we help you? 
Um, we always we always would love to see um, more members and uh, people get involved with APS. Uh, we, we think we really have a great value to provide. Uh, we're a great association. Um, you know, pharmaceutical scientists are not as nerdy as you think. Uh, and uh, also, we have a we have a great team. Um, I'm going to make a small pitch at the end. Two of my senior staff, Joy Davis, who's our um, managing director of member products, and Eric Burns, who's our senior director of corporate engagement, they're going to be at the uh, Mid Atlantic Society of Association Executives at their mid year meeting in Philly in June. So if, um, if you have listeners who want to um, want to meet them, they're, they're fantastic. They, I would say they're key architects in, of change uh, at AAPS and, and keeping us at the, at the leading edge of association leaderships. So uh, they're out there. They're, they're doing a dynamic duo presentation. I can only recommend it. They're fantastic. Um, yeah, anybody who um, is out in our field, check us out. We're, we're a great association. Um, love, love to have, uh, have you on board. Well, um, you're doing important work, and we appreciate you, Tina. If somebody wants to connect with you um, or, or learn more about the association, what's the association's website? It's aaps.org. And uh, on Twitter, we are at, at aapscoms. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. And uh, yeah, we have, I think our, our website um, is the key to all our offerings, e-learning, our peer-reviewed journals, our conferences um, for uh, potential corporate partners uh, in our space. We have a business development page. Um, there's a lot of resources right there at APS.org. Well, thank you so much again for sharing your story. Like I said, you're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you so much, Lee. Thanks for having me. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Association Leadership Radio.